BlackRock Broadcasting presents Top and Tail. Another episode of Top and Tail. This week, a special cheeky solo episode where I rank the worst to best serial killers of the year from Dexter. Dexter, Showtime's masterpiece anti-hero TV show that ended on the worst, most bafflingly disgusting ends of all time. Well, second worst. He sails into the hurricane to be reborn a lumberjack. No punishment, no more Miami, no more serial killers for him and his dark passenger to kill. Until now. A new sequel season, limited series, Dexter New Blood, is coming out very, very soon. So I thought, what better time to look back on Miami's friendly neighborhood serial killer and rank his serial killer big bads. Heavy spoilers for this whole thing. The whole show. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Number 10, Hannah McKay, The Poisoner. Fuck, I hate this character. She is Easily my least favourite character in the show. I found her introduction into the series to be, that's pretty good, you know, for about 10 seconds, until there's this look between her and Dexter very early on, and suddenly I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I see where this is going, and I am not okay with this. What if Dexter fell for a super sexy serial killer? Fuck that, and no. Dexter's one and only true love was Rita. Her tragic end should have been the last time he tried to start a family. It was the moment he realised he couldn't start a family and have the Dark Passenger and it all working together and it had four seasons of build-up to get to that moment. I understand they wanted him to give up his Dark Passenger for her and their love. And if you're going to do that, which you shouldn't have, but if you're going to go down that road, maybe cast someone who has a single speck of chemistry with Michael C. Hulk. He is always great with her, despite the atrocious writing, but she is terrible. I loathe the idea of her character and the execution and the performance. It completely slows down season seven's momentum with Deb and Dexter and that whole dynamic that is finally at its most scary and interesting point. It distracts from what should be the final arc of the show and messes the waters and adds one too many elements into this melting pot that should be setting up for Dexter's final season. My least favourite scene of hers, and maybe of the whole fucking show, is when she's plastic wrapped up and ready to die, and I'm like, yeah baby, she's gonna get out of the show, finally! Then BAM! He doesn't kill her, and then he fucks her. On the kill table. God, God damn. God damn it. I know the show wants to have Dexter change and grow, and at this point he's changed and grown so much, it's not really the same as the season 1 character, but, like, did they forget the central premise of this show in season one and the pilot and everything? Like, he isn't an anti-hero with a heart of gold, but a flat-out psychopath with no feelings. In the first episode, he's like, I hate sex. I don't get it. It's weird and creepy. And to come so far, this dark passenger is overcome by sexual passion and love. I hate it. It infuriates me. Maybe if she was better written or well acted, I would be into it. But I, I bet you I wouldn't. I, I hate it. It's not like the act of sex... You know, because he slept with others like Lila and Lumen, but 
They never felt like love, more like animalistic sexual encounters. And Rita was some kind of love for him, but there was four senses of build-up, where like the facade of dating morphed into something else, which is super interesting. But this brash love conquers all, teenage romantic love that he has for Hannah. Oh, I don't like it. There's something so lame about the goofy rom-com way they get together. Him being like the lab dog who drops his sign shit in front of her and her line about them talking blood and death like it's flirting about past sexual experiences. Cringe city. Dexter narrates about chemistry twice whilst naked with Hannah McKay. Like some kind of meta joke. As if the actor is aware of their lack of chemistry and talking directly to me, Jax, the infuriated audience member. One redeeming aspect is Deb hates her, and I love Deb, so it's great to hate Hannah with Deb. I like that we're bonding, it's nice. But this arc runs its course at the end of the season. Dexter picking Deb over Hannah once she poisons her is a great conclusion. Honestly, if she was only in like just season seven, she would probably be like number five or some shit, but nah, she comes back and ruins season eight. Despite season eight's insane Harry Ghost retcons and inability to punish Dexter and do the Hunt for the Bay Harbor Butcher Part 2 and all that kind of stuff, it's kind of serviceable. Until she reappears midway into the season, then it takes a terrifyingly fast decline and jumps the shark. Or as I like to now put it, when a show gets bloody shit sailing into the hurricane. Fuck Dexter for leaving Harrison with her, and fuck her for thinking she could care for Harrison. She's on the run, a fugitive, and is absolutely not fit to care for him. And I hope when he is old enough to realise who she is, he tells the cops and has her arrested for kidnapping her, like Dexter did in the one sane moment of his arc in Season 7. It was great when that happened and redeemed Season 7's arc, but now in hindsight, knowing she comes back and is even worse... <sighs> And if she appears in New Blood, I'll hate it, and I'll hate the show. Please, 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 please have a one-off line about her dying in prison. I beg of thee, New Blood, for your boy Jax. Do it for me. Number nine, the brain surgeon. Somehow this guy, the final season big bad serial killer, is the most underwhelming, boring, uninspired performance of the whole show. It disgusts and infuriates me to my core that this was Dex's final foe. He lasts till the finale, which is insane and so disappointing. If only, if only we lived in a world where Vogel Sun was never revealed, late in the game to be behind it all, and the guy Dexter just killed mid-season, that was the brain surgeon. That, that would have been great. We could have then focused on what season 8 could have and truly should have been, and that is Bay Harbor Butcher Manhunt Part 2. I blame the brain surgeon for rearing his boring, uncharismatic head at the end, dispatching what could have been a great arc for the season with Zack, Dexter's would-be, could-be prodigy. And the worst part of all of this, he fucking kills Deb. He shoots her, and then she has complications and is brain-dead. What the fuck? I know that Dexter like, technically kills her or whatever, but she's already brain-dead. So to me, it really just feels like the brain surgeon killer, he does her in, and... That disgusts me. I, I hate it. For one, how dare they kill her? How dare you kill Deb? She's awesome. But also, she needed to live with the fact that she, in Season 7, sided with Dexter. And so when the whole world finds out that he's the Bay Harbor Butcher, you know, she is punished for that. She goes to jail. She has to live with the consequences for her love of her serial killer brother. But no, 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 no. Even in this new sequel series, we can't get any chance of redemption for that story arc because this motherfucker killed her. And I hate him. Not to mention he's the son of Mrs. Recon herself, ruining Dexter's father's 
entire character and story. So now Dexter's Code will forever be known not as Harry's Code, but as Random Old Lady's Code. Fucking great. Number eight, The Skinner. Now guys, I have to be honest here. Before I rewatched the whole show to make this list, I made a cheeky little list of what I thought would be my rankings before I rewatched. And guys, I forgot about the Skinner. Yep, I literally forgot he existed and he was not on my original list. Season three in memory is the Jimmy Smith serial killer season. I forgot this guy existed, so just for that, he's number eight. He would probably be higher because he's so forgettable, but I loathe, I mean, as you can tell, uh, Hannah McKay and the brain surgeon. So much that, you know, he couldn't be before them. But man, it's it's forgettable. I mean, it's gross, it's scary, and it's horribly graphic uh, with all the skinnings and stuff. But it it feels like a side dish to the main course. That is Miguel. But not like a tasty side dish where you're like, oh man, I could do like three side dishes instead of the main. No, no, just like a side dish where you're like, oh yeah, I forgot we had a side dish. Like, as you're driving home, you, you forgot. The only moment that is interesting is when it's revealed that Miguel has hired him to kill Dexter towards the end of the season. But that's interesting because of Miguel and all that implication and stuff. Not the Skinner, he's just kind of there, like, you know, as a fucking side dish. So yeah, kind of boring, not memorable, and honestly, not much else to say. Moving on! Number seven, Doomsday. Season six's serial killer of the year, or slotty, if you will. <laughs> oh no, that's... That's bad. Ignore that. Doomsday, season six, the one where it gets all super religious for a season. Doomsday is a psycho-religious nutjob using God, lines from the Bible, and religious metaphor to justify his horrific killings. I love the insane and wild-looking ritual kills. Disturbingly visual, but like intriguing, and we get some interesting parallels as Dexter thinks about how religion will take place in Harrison's life, and how to deal with all that stuff, because he's, you know, not religious, and all this stuff is really interesting, but it's not really to do with the killer, it's just kind of brought about by the killer being in this world and being religious. At first, Colin Hanks is kind of uninteresting, and it kind of just like plods along, like but then, boom, twist, he has his own Harry ghost, and he's talking to that Harry ghost, as a vision, just like Dexter does. And I really like that parallel. At this late stage in the show, it's kind of hard to see Dexter and Harry talking as nothing more than like a fun technique in the show. But it's really perverse, it's really dark, and the deepening madness of it all is brought home and reinforced with Colin Hanks and Olsen. I really, I really like that. As Dexter would say, the imagination, or as Deb would say, the brutality of the kills this season are spectacular in the worst way though snakes replacing intestines the four horsemen ridden by a frankenstein of bodies and mannequins the world is coming to an end or so hanks thinks doomsday has the most heightened insane set piece kills of the show and i think that's like the one aspect that kind of redeems this season and isn't just like a dull by the numbers here we go again just another serial killer of the year season six serial killer of the year we're just we're falling into a pattern here, but this season it's it's pretty wild and it's pretty scary stuff. On my first watch, the twist that one of them is totally dead, it totally tripped me out, but I was young and dumb. And on a rewatch, it's 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 insanely obvious, but I like that additional bonus. It's got the whole parallel of Harry Ghost and all that stuff's really fun. It's full-on fight club shit. The one upside of this art and the character is the fascinating question it poses of what faith means to man and how it Dedicated faith can be used for good or bad and all that kind of stuff and that really kind of rings true with uh, the Moss Def character who's kind of like the angel uh, 
to Travis's uh, devil of this face season in the one line that really just sums up the whole season, what really works and what doesn't. If you put your faith in the wrong thing, it can really fuck you up. So true. It, it's an amazing line. It kind of sums up all the things I like about this season. Also, Doomsday gets the bonus of being memorable just because of the fact that his death is on Dexter's kill table and that brings in Dev into the fold. And it feels like something that might not have happened because of the fucking cock tease they do at the end of season five. So it's a really strong end to the season and it kind of makes it stay memorable to me. My last point about DDK. He brought us Dexter's religious devil head drawing, which could be the funniest moment of the entire series. The moment he rage draws it is incredible. And then we are blessed with the visual so many times. I have no idea what they were going for, but comedy gold could not have been it. But God bless the writers and the artists for this amazing talent in combining Dexter's face with this biblical artistry. Absolutely amazing and probably one of the best parts of the whole, you know, series. Oh, and uh, and, uh, another thing, and you know you're you're not the best villain when the best episode of the season by far is the Dexter road trip with the Ice Truck Killer when the Ice Truck Killer is replacing Harry as Dexter's dark passenger when they're off to kill Trinity's son who's gone full Trinity. Great app, great app. Doomsday's not in it really though, so maybe he's not. Maybe he should be higher on this list. Hmm. Number nine. I mean, fuck. Number six, Jordan Chase and his Barrel Boys. The first season with a gang of killers, not just one. And that idea is awesome. Dexter teaming up with Lumen and the season goes full on rape revenge horror film. But, 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 we never really get like the evil gang together as like a force, like a, like a whole, like a, like a, like a whole group. It's, it's a real missed opportunity and it, just kind of becomes serial killers of the week, but it's threaded together with the whole barrel arc uh, into one big large thing. We start off with Boyd, the dead animal pickup guy, and his barrel girls in the swamp. We then get Lumen kidnapping Dan the dentist, and it almost seems like she's gotten the wrong person again, but then when the truth is revealed, Dexter's like, I gotta help her. She's been born in blood like me. And this is when it starts getting really interesting, when they team up to take everyone down. It's not like Miguel with the personal kills, but kind of like, you know, questionable, like why he's picking them. She's very personal, but they are absolutely deserving. They're bloody monsters. Enter the main man of the season. Self-help guru, Mr. Tick, 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 Mr. Taken, Mr. King Barrel Boy. It's not even until episode seven that Jordan Chase makes his appearance on the show, which shows you how commanding he is on screen, because he gets significantly less time than pretty much all the big bads. Jordan Chase's motivational speeches about if you want it, take it, we are primal, blah, 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 all that trash, takes on this whole new perverse dark level once we know what he is and what he wants and what he takes. It's scary and interesting to have him be so famous and such an inspiration to so many people. It's disgusting and the performance by Johnny Lee Miller, Mr. Sherlock himself, is commanding and his smooth suave front is quite convincing. This is easily the most fucked up and awful serial killer of the show for me. Not to say that like any of them aren't fucked up, like Trinity, Aisha Killer, it's, it's all disgusting and awful, but th- there's something about the gang rape and the torture before the kills that really gets under my skin in a way that's not as enjoyable as a lot of the other monstrous killers are. These guys don't really feel like darker versions of Dexter without a code. 
they're more monstrous and real. And part of me finds this season one of the hardest to rewatch just because of that. The group bro mentality is horrific. The filming of it and the seconds we get of those videos, truly awful. There seems to be a joy these guys get. But this season really does show us why Dexter is a hero in this world of serial killers in the most fucked up perverse way. And I'll say it now and I'll say it again. Dexter the Vigilante, the Dark Defender. He's Batman with a bloodier code and a bloodier origin. Except he doesn't wear spandex. Too hot for that in Miami. And he's right. It, my God, it seems so hot in Miami. I love how sweaty everyone is all the time. There's a point in this season where the dark humor of Dexter kind of just disappears and it becomes very hard to keep watching except for wanting and needing Jordan Chase to be on his kill table and, you know, justice to be served. I would say the one change I would make uh, in those final showdowns is having Jordan not being able to physically hurt anybody uh, would be an interesting angle as he never gets his hands dirty and towards the end he just gets his hands dirty and it would be interesting if he kind of couldn't come to that so he was always that voice whispering into people but he could never actually do the violence with his own hands I think that would have been a great way to kind of round out the character to feel more whole and not feel slightly underdeveloped um, Although his final scene on the table about creating and showing Lumen what she's capable of is another great kill room death scene. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. This is feels like the first season where he's properly underdeveloped and underutilized as the season's big bad compared to the first four seasons, which I think we really do see again and again in the latter half of the show. Just kind of lacks that punch the first four seasons have. But not the worst season and not the worst villain. Uh... Great performance, though. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Once again, best part of the season is probably that first episode where none of them are in it. And it's just a morning of Rita episode with Dexter, which is kind of the highlight of the whole season. So once again, a villain in the back half kind of being overshadowed by an episode where they're not really in it. I don't know what that says. I mean, I know what that says, but I'm not going to get into it. Holy donuts, Dexter, we're halfway. And what better way to split up the top half from the bottom half? And I think there's a big, big difference between these two halves in terms of quality, writing, story. But here's a quick list of honorable mentions for all the killers that don't really make the list as, you know, the big uh, serial killers of the year. Lila, scary, awful, monstrous, great actor, killing it. But man, her mass manipulation and lies and fire-related incidents disgust me and her killing of dokes is still one of the most tragic moments of the show very glad she got put down by dexter fuck her but on the upside he had to go visit paris with her cool stuff i'm sure he had fun zach a great idea of a prodigy dexter becomes the harry and tries to have a new him he's unceremoniously killed off screen he should have you know been part of the final season and made a mistake and caused the beginning of dexter's downfall and the reveal of the bay harbor butcher and all that kind of stuff that would have Closely tied and made sense to have him be in that season eight, you know, final season. Lumen, amazing character. Ripped straight out of a revenge rape film. Perfect rebound girl for Dexter in his own dark way that helps him recover from his tragedy of Rita or she overcomes her tragedy and she doesn't overstay her welcome on the show. Looking at you, Hannah. Professor Vogel. Mrs. Retcon herself. Fuck her for stealing Harry's code and ruining his arc. The idea of a psychologist that is like fascinated with killers and that like helps and molds them instead of like, you know, putting them in jail or whatever. It's awesome. But I just hate the wreck on Harry's code so late in the game. Disgust me. Disappointing. What a terrible choice. So boo, you go in the bin. Minotaur man. 
The amazing premise of Dexter is that he's a monster, but he only kills other monsters. The killer of killers. And in season seven, Deb slowly realizes that maybe it is like a necessary evil. It's crazy compelling. And the best kind of serial killer that kind of gets thrown into this mix is the crazy psycho minotaur maze dude. Terrifying to look at, terrifying idea. The maze is scary each time we see it. It's utterly terrifying concept. And it's a great kind of... Uh, look into how like it proves Dexter's point to Deb and it reinforces how he escapes justice and all these things and it kind of shows the audience Dexter really is just the worst man he's a serial killer and a monster but honestly like you know with people like the Minotaur man he helps clean up the street from his utter filth Dexter is the most perverse version of Batman the bloodier code and a bloodier origin I said it again my god oh my god I just I just suddenly realized how much I would love a Batman vs. Dexter comic. Oh my god. Someone please make this. Number five! Miguel Prado, Jimmy Smits, Matt Santos himself, Bale Organa himself. Smits, well known to like, at least to me, is like this political figure, standing up for justice and the people. But this time, he plays Miguel Prado, assistant district attorney. And he goes through a bit of a Two-Face-esque kind of arc. A lawyer man for justice, but with a darker side. Starting off as an antagonist to Dexter, after Dexter accidentally kills his little brother in self-defense. Oh no, drama ensues. Then they become friends. After he sees Dexter with like blood on his hands, one less criminal on the streets. And then we get kind of a budding friendship that turns into serial killer friendship. And Dexter asks the question, can I have a friend, a brother in arms in this life who also has a bit of a dark passenger. Lila was more damaged and in love with the sexual part of the dark passenger, this mysterious side that she couldn't kind of quite see with Dexter. Miguel, he's got both sides. He loves just having Dexter as a friend, having a barbecue, playing a bit of cheeky golf. But he's also inspired by this dark passenger side of Dexter, broken from his younger brother's death. You see this darkness kind of coming to the surface. It's a fantastic performance played kind of against type for me for Jimmy Smith. And he's just so big and towering and powerful. And that kind of raging rage, it's, it's quite exciting to see. When Dexter starts showing Miguel how to hunt and vet his targets, slowly revealing the nature of Miguel, it's quite scary. The moment he lets Miguel into his life, plastic wrap and kill table and all, it's so exciting, but it's intense. Like, you know, you know something's happening. You know it's not going to end well. Like, there's just something about Miguel with that kind of violent, impatient, impulsive kind of rage. And then that moment on the pier where he calls him on his code bullshit and Dexter's like, it's not bullshit. And then Miguel reveals, like, that power that he feels from violence. It's scary. It's great stuff. But then Miguel does the turn. The thing we know is coming. It's inevitable to the story, but on a rewatch, it's so like bittersweet and kind of heartbreaking. And he murders that slimy kind of lady lawyer person. Being a slimy Soul Goodman-esque character doesn't meet the code. And if you don't meet the code, Dexter be coming for you, mate. Dexter has created this monster and now he has to deal with it. The season arc for Dexter, trying to go against Harry's code, the finding out that he killed himself because he couldn't live with it, with Dexter kind of like showing the code to Miguel and it not working and realizing what's going to happen if you know he doesn't follow the code. He's going to be a Miguel. He's going to be a nice truck killer. He's going to fall and he's going to be caught. Miguel's final words on Dexter's table is heartbreaking. What did you say at my bachelor party? 
friends forgive. Well, I don't forgive. And I don't get to have friends. Well, fuck me! Am I gonna cry over this serial killer monster? How is this show doing this to me? Number four. Isaac the Mobster. Isaac is a great idea for an antagonist for Dexter so late in the game of this show, as he is always going up against serial killers, killers with rituals, with a set of rules or guidelines or how they kill and why they do it, and they're always like closer to Dexter with their trophies and codes and, you know, you can always give them a flashy newspaper title, like a doomsday or a trinity killer. But Isaac, he's just a mobster. Like, He's more like a villain from Book Empire or The Sopranos than Dexter. He has a bloody gun and he kills people for work, business and money, rather than having like a dark passenger within. His performance is fantastic. It's chilling at times, but with a great emotional center to it. Only shame is that he's dispatched before the end of the season, so we're left with Hannah Bloody McKay. And you know that. You, you, you know this about me, guys. I don't like that. So that's a real shame especially because he's so strong a character and such a fun, interesting arc. Isaac and Dexter get like a bunch of scenes of them just like sitting and chatting together. It's a wonderful acting performance by both men and leads to some of the most thrilling and chilling moments between the two very, very, very different monsters. But the moment that wins me over completely to the character is the scene at the gay bar where Isaac reveals to Dexter he loved Victor and that they have a beautifully written scene about love and how dangerous and illogical it is and how his revenge and need for it, it, it isn't logical and he's gonna have to see it through even if, as Dexter puts it, it's not gonna bring Victor back. It's a brilliant moment as they have both lost the love of their lives and even if I hate Hannah, which I do, it comes at the perfect time story-wise at this point in season seven as Dexter is finding new love. <coughs> new love with Hannah. And, you know, then they bloody team up. Nothing better than serial killers punching for a bit, and then they're mates, and then they're not again. Oh, serial killers, you're so crazy. I bloody love this arc. It's so much fun. The performances are great. It's a great difference to the rest of them. It's a real, real fun time. Really great performance. And it's just, it's just amazing. What else can I say? You're gonna get a bit of that towards the end of me just being like, it's bloody good. What more can I say? Okay, now we're up to the medal positions. The big boys, the best of the best of the serial killers of Miami. And I gotta be honest, the jump, the gap between all the other contestants and these three, it's not in bloody day, mate. It's not in bloody day. Number three is the ice truck killer. The ice truck killer. Oh shit, OG season one serial killer. Dexter's secret older brother, born in blood. What Dexter would have been without the code. The Ice Truck Killer reminds me a lot of superheroes villains who are just kind of like the same as the hero, you know, dressed the same and all that stuff, but evil. But the execution, performance, and how the mystery unravels is why this is so great and why it doesn't feel like, you know, like a yellow jacket from Ant-Man or whatever. Brian is such an amazing villain. From the very first episode, he is an antagonistic force, but an oddly playful one that is like teasing Dexter. This is like cat and mouse game over the season from his bloodless bodies 
an amazing foil for Dexter's love of blood, to the absolute bloodbath he leaves for Dexter in the hotel room that leads to the realization for Dexter about his origin story and finally his revelation and reveal of his relation to the Ice Truck Killer. It's breathtaking stuff and such a strong start to the show, it's a miracle that anything was ever able to top it again. Like, it's crazy he's not number one. That's just how good some of the early stuff is in this show. So towards the end, once we get the reveal, we get this horrifying twist that Deb is dating him. On first watch, his kidnapping at the end of the season of her is scary intense. Deb dying would be too much. And on a rewatch, when you know she survives, it's utterly tragic and heartbreaking. His line, it was so easy. You were so desperate to fall in love. Absolutely kills me. Heartbreaker stuff. The final showdown with him and Dexter, where he's lived his whole life alone, and he finds out Dexter's just like him, which is incomprehensible and unimaginable. Like, but then he's so excited to meet him. He's doing all these games. He's setting up all these things where Dexter's so mesmerized by the Ice Killer. But then he fucks up by like needlessly asking Dexter to kill Deb and to join him. In some other parallel universe, Brian and Dexter could have like met and joined forces, but. He chooses to bring Deb into it, and he doesn't realize what a mistake he's made, which is oddly tragic for such a monster, you know, that we don't even like at this point, but it's such a sad moment when he realizes it's not going to work out the way he thought, and he's been planning for so long. I mean, eventually, yeah, it's definitely not going to work because of Harry's code, and that's kind of the whole message of this, is that even though Dex was obsessed and, you know, into the Ice Killer and mesmerized by it all, their differences are too strong and their morals just don't align. Like, that's the whole Harry's Code. So why Dexter can work as a villain over all these seasons, killing other villains. And that's brought to life perfectly in the amazing line where the Ice Truck Killer's all like, You can't be a hero and a killer! It doesn't work that way! Sorry, Ice Truck Buddy. It does work that way. That's kind of the premise of this show. So you die. Uh, I'm sorry, mate. Seeing Brian again in season six as a perverse, darker passenger than Harry is a real fun treat and a great way to give the actor like a cheeky encore performance. Uh, and if they use Deb in New Blood in the same way where it's a different side to the dark passenger than Harry, it might work, but uh, <laughs> I'm not holding out hope. God, that trailer looks fucking shit. I'm, I'm so unexcited. Uh, can't be worse than season eight though, right? <laughs> Right? 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 Number two! The Trinity Killer. My god. What do I even say about this madman? Mr. Third Rock from the Sun himself. The alien from another world. Dexter is now a father. He has a newborn, and he's struggling with his suburban life with Rita and the kids. How am I going to balance being a killer and a father and all this suburban stuff? Neighborhood watching all that stuff. But then he finds this monster, a decades-long serial killer, who has a happy family. What can Dexter learn from him? If he can do it, maybe Dexter can too. The question posed this season is a great story, and probably the strongest arc of the show. The best villains of Dexter are those that are well fleshed out on their own. Great premises, with always horrific and terrifying rituals and murders and codes and all that killing awful stuff. But it also helps us learn something about Dexter, and it helps him as a character learn something about himself. Trinity does all of this, and then some. The commanding, towering performance by Lithgow is horrible and scary. The Thanksgiving episode, where his monstrous treatment of his family is 
fully revealed and the road trip episode where he like begins to unravel before he attempts suicide and we get kind of a clearer understanding of his motives and the cycle of the Trinity killings. Absolutely incredible stuff. Some of the strongest episodes of the show. Bringing Lundy back this season because of the Trinity is great. I mean, that's not really Trinity's fault, but great stuff all around. It's one of the strongest seasons. And then the, one of the final reveals that the Trinity killer, in fact, is not a Trinity killer and he's a four, tr four entity killer or whatever you call it. The quadrility killer. He kills four people in the cycle. That shit is fucked. The child and his scenes in the basement are just magnificently morbid. They're just so... Oh, it's hard to watch. His performance is so good. I mean, I don't even know what to say. It's just so good. I, I, I feel like I have better things to say about the things I don't like. This just works on every level. It's so strong. It's so amazing. It's enthralling and horrific. The performance is legendary. Like, Lithgow will never not be Trini to me now. Like, he's so good. And how can I not mention the final moment of the season? This moment, it's honestly one of the most devastating moments of TV history. It's the Red Wedding before we knew what that was. It's Rita gets killed by the Trinity Killer. This shit is burned into my brain. The shock and the horror. It's undeniable. And the fact that he's dead, like, after Trini's killed, it's, there's no redemption. There's no... There's no revenge, like, it's it's too late. He's killed him, but Trini's already done, like, the worst deed. And, like, that ironic, horrible twist that, like, he's been trying to keep him alive to learn how he can live with his family. And that ultimately brings the death of his family. It's disgusting. It's morbidly fascinating. It's it's horrific. It's, it's the reason that Trini really stays in. The performance is amazing. But that final moment of Rita's death, it's... It's kind of the breaking point of the show. It's that middle point. The creator left that point. Like, it, there's so much around that moment. It's It really is one of the most devastating, horrific moments of TV. It's heartbreaking. It's hard to watch on a rewatch. Like, you know it's coming. It's just every second he spends with Rita is heartbreaking. And, like, he saves Trinity from killing himself. So it's just, there's so much horrific sadness towards it. But it's great TV. Yeah, Trinity. Amazing. One of the best. That's why he's number two. Number one. The Bay Harbor Butcher. Oh shit. Number one. The Bay Harbor Butcher. And I think it's pretty obvious why this is. I mean, I could not believe the twist that Sergeant Dokes was the Bay Harbor Butcher. It shocked me to my core. Our beloved, hard-boiled, foul-mouthed cop was actually secretly a serial killer all along. Who could have guessed? Surprise, motherfucker! A bloody gotcha! Or I didn't, and you're annoyed I made such a shitty joke so late in this video. But no, obviously, season one of the list of the best serial killers in Dexter is Dexter himself, the bloody Bay Harbor Butcher. Dexter, the donut guy. A man with no emotions or real feelings who tries to be the friendly, happy lab geek. Using his knowledge of cops loving donuts, that cliche, that whole thing. So he brings donuts to work to be like, hey, here's my fake smile and some donuts. You like donuts, don't you? His whole persona is built around hiding who and what he is. The premise of this show is so great. A killer who hunts killers due to this code. He works in Miami Metro as a blood guy. He hides in plain sight. But the brilliance and the reason this show really shines comes down to Michael C. Hall's performance. 
We enter the serial killer hotspot of the world, Miami, through Dexter's eyes and his charismatic and often darkly funny narration that glides us through this world is an enchanting and often terrifying blend. Like the, the amount of humor they wring out of these like hilarious dark word puns, which go from very clever to very on the nose, but often very hilarious. He like, it helps and like, it tricks us into that lie. It tricks us just like he tricks everyone around him into believing this fake facade is kind of real, like this Dexter. We grow to love him, even though he's a fucking monster. He's, he's so evil. It's scary what he does sometimes, but the performance it, it gets into you and that narration really helps kind of create this like feeling you get with this character. I mean, we're always following anti-heroes like your Sopranos and your Walter Whites and all that stuff. But uh, Dexter's just, he's a new level, he's an absolute monster, but he, he tricks you and it's, it's fascinating stuff. Dexter is an iconic character, from the kill costume, the blood slides, the kill room all dressed in plastic, the Hawaiian shirts soaked in sweat, so much sweat in this show. Miami seems so hot. Now before my throat falls all the way down his dick, let me just say, there are a few moments throughout the show where his plot armor comes on a bit too strong. It, it, it. It can be overwhelming at times, but I think that all the way up until the start of season eight, it works for me as it kind of feels like we're slowly building to that final reveal, that final season eight showdown where it all explodes out and everything that everyone's almost come so close, it all explodes out into the open. And I can't really hold season one and seven for season eight's disastrous transgressions. Or should I say lack of like transgressions and more just kind of whimpering along? Even with the horrible sailing into the hurricane, even with leaving Harrison with Hannah, even with killing Deb and stealing her body from the hospital, weird move there. I can forgive all of that, because Dexter is such an amazing character. Even when the writers refused to punish and condemn him for all the sins, he was entertaining to watch due to Michael C's insanely good performance, amazing direction for most of the show, incredible writing to kind of help us go into this dark fantasy world of this psychopathic Batman-esque character. We get a smooth, scary, often darkly funny narration. It really just gets into the mind. It's really great stuff. The whole thing of this show is like, Dexter, he bloody kills killers. And like, this whole moral dilemma the show poses us is even scary just because he has no remorse. Like, he didn't do this because he's Batman-esque. He's not like Walter White trying to do it for his family or Tony Soprano just trying to survive in the workplace that he's, you know, living in. This character does it because he feels like he has to. He's got this dark, the dark passenger, and it's it's terrifying stuff, bro. It's fucking scary, man. And as he says to himself in season two, when Lundy says, the only good reason to kill is to save an innocent life. And Dexter thinks in his narration, I didn't do it to save innocent lives, but save them I did. And I think that one line sums up the whole show. Like everything that works about the show is in that line. And everything that doesn't work is them kind of shying away from that and not really coming to terms with, even though he does that, he's still killing people. And like the punishment of Dexter is really the downfall of it all for me. But it's such an amazing and horrifying idea for a show. Beautifully brought to life through Michael C's performance. He is one of the greatest anti-heroes on TV in a time where we had kind of nothing but anti-heroes. He's compelling, horrifying, funny, and one of the greatest anti-heroes of TV. I will surely miss him getting a fellow killer on his kill table and having a soulful DNM with them and using them as like a therapy session. He's amazing and scary and he is right, but he is wrong and he's a horrific human being. 
I do do so wish though that he had been found out and punished because despite all the good he's done, he's still absolutely insanely horrible. He's a prolific mass murderer and I don't want to see his family and friends, you know, have to live with it. I don't want Cody to be like, oh no, Dexter, you're the Bay Harbor Butcher. I guess he'd be like, oh, you're the Bay Harbor Butcher. I'm, I'm like 15 now or whatever. But you know, it's like, I don't want that. But the show, like, you know, the show's setting that up from the get-go. Like, it's like, I don't want to punish these characters, but the show should have punished those characters because they would have been so much powerful for us. Like, there's so much to wring out of that final act reveal and all these characters slowly building up to finding out, not finding out. The Dokes thing, the, the fact that he framed him all those years ago, like Quinn and Angel and the family and everyone. And I love that Rita would never have found out. It's like the one bittersweet part of her dying. She never would have found out that he's this monster. But everyone else should find out. That's like... The show ending that we were promised from the very start. But instead, we get sailing into hurricanes and lumberjacks. Can Dexter New Blood, the limited series, fix this? Maybe, but I've seen the trailer. So you're not, no, no, props not. It, it, could, could it even be worse? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, God. We'll have to wait and see. Thanks so much for watching this. Like, subscribe, comment, all the things. What are your favorite serial killers? Is my list correct? Of course it's correct. I spent I spent a while watching and I've I've analyzed all the aspects of why it would be and why it wouldn't be the greatest list. But what's your list? Tell me your list. Tell me what I missed. Tell me any kind of serial killer of the week that really stood out to you. Mine really was the Minotaur guy. He's scary, man. Real scary. If you're like, I want more raves and rants about TV and movies and bloody all that stuff, check out my podcast. I do two. Two Brothers, One Pilot. Spoiler talk. Bloody check them out wherever you find your bloody podcasts. Will I be doing a review of New Blood every week? Maybe. Will it be good enough or bad enough? I get one or the other. We'll see. I'm excited. I'm not. I'm very scared. It looks bad. The trailer looked bad. It looked really, really bad. I want to go back to Miami. It looks cold like Fargo. I'll just watch Fargo if I want cold. I want hot, sweaty boys in the sun of Miami being like, oh, it's so hot out here, right, Dexter? Oh, it's so hot. I miss Angel. Why isn't Angel going to be in the season? I'm so angry. Nah, it'll be fine. No, I'm going to suck. Thanks for watching. This transmission was brought to you by BlackRock Broadcasting, a film and TV podcast network for you from us.